Um, you already see our text uh, for this series, John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. But our, our main verse this morning is going to be taken out of Proverbs. I'd like you to just get ready and turn to it. It's Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Proverbs 4 and verse 23. <clears throat> The main scripture for this um, series on the Artesian Church is taken from John's Gospel where Jesus stood on the last day of the feast before he was crucified and he cried out and he said as he stood up, whoever believes in me as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And as I asked the Lord, what do you want Faith Christian Church to be? He said an Artesian well. And an artesian well is a well that springs up under the power of its own pressure. This is not a well that you drill down and then you lower your bucket or your, your vessel in and you have to draw the water out. And it's not a well that you lower a pump down in and you have to pump the water out. This water flies out of the ground and keeps flying out of the ground. The only way you can stop it is you have to cap it or it runs out. Well, the Lord was speaking of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's never gonna run out and the Holy Spirit is ever going to be springing up. So the only way the Holy Spirit can be stopped from flowing is the deliberate effort on the part of his people. Have you ever thought of it like that? We usually think the Holy Spirit has to be pumped up yeah. one way or another. You pump it with music, pump it with songs. But really what we're pumping is we're trying to pump people and get them to open the spigot. The fact of the matter is, is the Lord is ready to spring up. You have to stop him to keep him from doing it. Think about it. Every time a church meets, whether Catholic or Lutheran or Baptist or Pentecostal church of some nature, whether they meet in a cathedral or meet in a warehouse or meet out in the field someplace, wherever two or more are gathered, there he is in the midst of them. God's will for every single one of those gatherings, if they're real Christians that gather, God's will is that there should be a springing up in our teaching world. What you see in that picture is what should happen. And the only reason it doesn't happen all over the world, every time God's people gather, the only reason that doesn't happen is people stop it from happening. You don't have to coax God, you have to stop God. So this morning... I want to share with you out of Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 a message entitled, Guard Your Heart. Because church comes from the heart. Out of his heart, Jesus said, will flow rivers of living water. Now Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it, are the sources of life. And I want to stress a couple of words. I should have made them bold. Stress the word heart. Guard your heart. The next word I would stress is vigilance. With all vigilance. For from it are, and the phrases, the sources of life. Everyone say the sources of life. When you meet the circumstances of the world, you should meet them with the sources of life. Instead of trying to find life, in those circumstances, you need to bring life to those circumstances. Yeah. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Yeah. So an artesian church 
springs with living water from the heart of artesian Christians. As I said, no matter where you are in the world, wherever believers gather, that is what is going to happen. That's springing up in everlasting life unless you stop it from happening. So never leave a service or a gathering or even look at your own life and say, I wonder why God isn't moving. Because the fact of the matter is, is God never stops moving. He just may have stopped moving through you because you have shut the spigot off. But if you're a spiritual Christian, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will be in you springing up unto everlasting life. So it flows, this artesian church, it flows with the power of the Holy Spirit from within you. You don't pump it up, you open it up. That's the key to an artesian church. Never pump it up, you don't have to. You open it up. That should be your objective. When you and I come in, whatever it takes for you to open your heart, Proverbs says, guard your heart with all vigilance, for out of it flow the sources of life. The only way that a Christian can engage the world, whether it's Monday morning and you're going to work and you're going to engage your job, or whether you're witnessing to someone, talking with someone, going out to have some recreation, going to a restaurant to eat, meeting with friends, the only way you and I can get up and go from our prayer closet into the world and engage the world as an artesian Christian, flowing with the, with the living waters, is that you must guard your heart with all vigilance so that you can bring the sources of life to the world when you engage it. Instead of coming into your circumstances, looking to see God move in your circumstances, bring the life. Everyone say, bring the life. That's God's will. You bring life to the circumstances. You don't look for life in the circumstances. You bring the life. And the only way to do that is guard your heart with all vigilance. Let me give you just a little, um, just a little principle that, that speaks a great big principle in your life. And that is you cannot look to the world for your ability or your fulfillment and flow in the Holy Spirit also at the same time. You either look to the Holy Spirit for your abilities, for your fulfillment, or you look to the world for your abilities or your fulfillment. You cannot do them simultaneously. You can't mix them up. It's all one way or all the other way. Are you, do you understand? And the, and the reason I say that is because James chapter 3 says, no well can bring forth salt water and fresh water at the same time. So you are either living, looking to the Holy Spirit for your fulfillment and your abilities, relying on Him, staying in communion with Him, or you're trying to get that satisfaction and looking for those abilities from, from the world. So you understand, we've got to make this distinction. That's why... Uh, and let me tell you the reason why that is, why you can't mix them up, why you can't look to the Lord and then turn around and look to the, uh, the world. You can't get up from your prayer closet, so to speak, and then run out and try to get fulfillment from the world. The reason is, is because the world wounds and closes the human heart. The world that we live in is deadly and toxic. And just like... The falling of darkness in the night closes the petals of a flower. So the world will close the human heart. The human heart is shut down and is wounded by its exposure to the world. 
Your heart needs to stay. You need to be vigilant to keep your heart in the presence of God. In the presence of God, your heart stays open and stays connected to the sources of life. I believe that Proverbs 4 and 23 may be the most important verse in the Bible. I just challenge you to think about it. I'm sure there's others, but... But I think Proverbs 4 and 23 might be the most important verse in the Bible. Guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it are the sources of life. I know this, you certainly cannot ignore what that's saying and succeed on any level. So what we're really talking about, I'm talking to artesian Christians who come together to be an artesian church. What we're really talking about is preserving the flow. Jesus said, the presence of the Holy Spirit, living water, should flow out of your being. That's what a church is. It is one that flows. And so we want to preserve the flow. And if we're talking about a church that flows with power and flows with life, then we've got to talk about preserving that flow out of your heart and out of your life. Now, let me just say to you that if you are going to do what Proverbs 4.23 says, and you're going to guard your heart with all vigilance so that out of it the sources of life can flow, then you must take 1 Thessalonians 5.17 and apply it to your life. It takes 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to fulfill Proverbs 4.23. What is 1 Thessalonians? Usually you don't have problems with the Thessalonians. The Thessalonians... What does 1 Thessalonians 5.17 say? It says, does anyone know right off the bat? Thank you, dear. You've got you a little computer in your lap, don't you? Yeah. Hallelujah. Sorry to blow your cover, but pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Have you ever wondered, how in the world can I pray without ceasing? I go into my prayer closet, I kneel beside my bed, I go in my living room, lay on my face. I like to lay out before the Lord. I was in the sanctuary this morning, laying out on the floor somewhere up here, um, calling out on the Lord. And um, how do you do that without ceasing? I certainly can't lay down while I'm driving. Um, I can't talk to my wife or be on the phone with you or um, texting somebody and at the same time, words coming out of my mouth. So what did Paul mean when he said you must pray without ceasing? Because I want to share with you this morning that there's absolutely no way that you can guard your heart with all vigilance. We're going to talk about what it means to be vigilant so that the sources of life can flow if you don't pray without ceasing. Praying without ceasing is literally how you do that. So what does it mean to pray without ceasing? Well, it basically means maintaining an open dialogue. Everyone say open dialogue. A conversation that never ends. An open dialogue with God in your conscious mind. Maintaining an open conversation in your conscious mind. Your thoughts never close the door on the Holy Spirit. Your thoughts uh, never disconnect from the Holy Spirit. Even though you have left the prayer closet, even though you have said amen and closed that that particular mode of prayer, session of prayer, you never stop praying. How do you never stop praying? Well, amen never means goodbye. How many of you think, I've actually heard people when they prayed, instead of saying amen, they say, bye, Lord, for now, bye for now. 
Amen does not mean so long. It does not mean goodbye. Amen does not mean close the app. You keep the app open. You keep the dialogue going. You keep the conversation going. Your thoughts are never leave the presence of God. Hallelujah. Now, let me say to you that the reason Christianity is hard for so many people is because when we're finished praying, we hang up, disconnect, close the app, and turn our thoughts away from the Holy Spirit in order to deal with the world. And we think that that prayer we just prayed is going to make turning away from the Holy Spirit work for us. No prayer, no matter how intense it was, even if you went three days fasting and praying, and when you came to the end, if you closed the app, shut the door, if amen, amen means I'm through or I'm finished, all that you gained will not help or influence or make powerful or gracious the moment you turn from the Lord in your mind and begin to fix your mind upon the world. You say, how can I deal with the world and, not, and keep my mind on God? Very easily, Jesus apparently had very little trouble doing it. He never disconnected from the Father. And man, that guy, I don't know how he kept so many appointments in three and a half years, so much so that the Bible says, if books were written that contained all the works that he did, the world would not be able to contain. No, no collective of energetic and busy and accomplished people lives put together can amount the accomplishments of Jesus. Jesus accomplished so much, and yet, look, he dealt with the world all the time, but he never disconnected from the Father. And so the reason why Christianity is hard for many of us is because of this going back and forth. We hang up on God when we're done praying, and we set our heart and mind on the world searching for peace, searching for um, fulfillment, looking for our abilities. You never shut your mind off from God because the problem is that, that um, once you do that and you've ended the prayer and you disconnect from God, then you go through the struggle of fighting those conflicting thoughts, dull emotions, uh, to and, and fighting through those to clear the debris that's built up around your heart when you want to reconnect with God. That's why prayer is so difficult for so many people because once you're there in the presence of God, there's nothing difficult about it. It's the pulling the clutter away from the door of your heart that you've allowed to build up, build up because you've disconnected from God. God never meant prayer to be disconnect, reconnect, hang up, dial him up. You see, that's why we think God has to be pumped up because we shut down. So it's not the Lord that has to be pumped up. We shut ourselves down by turning away in our thoughts from the Lord. And that's what makes it difficult. And that's why um, Christianity for many people is strenuous and wearying, but it's never meant to be that way. So let me just say that vigilance, the Bible says, keep your heart with all vigilance, vigilance is a gift to your mind when it stayed on God. Vigilance is a gift that God gives to your mind when it's set upon Jesus. Isaiah 26 and verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace. Everyone say perfect peace. Perfect. 
You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you. And he goes on to say, P.S. He trusted you. So you will keep him in perfect peace. So perfect peace isn't something that you have worked hard at arranging your world so that you've got the absence of conflict and you can have peace. Christians can have perfect peace in the midst of war, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of turmoil, because God keeps you in perfect peace. You don't keep yourself in perfect peace. It's a gift to your mind when your mind has stayed on Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So once your mind has stayed on Jesus, there's a perfect peace that will keep your heart. That is the vigilance that he's talking about. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Pray without ceasing. Set your mind on Jesus. And a perfect peace from the Father will descend upon your heart like a covering, like a blanket, and keep you in perfect peace. A seal, if you will, a covering, a seal of perfect peace will come over your mind, come over your soul. It will keep you. Hallelujah. And that is the vigilance. So let me explain to you why that's the vigilance. First of all, when that perfect peace comes upon you because you are staying in communion with the Father, it's extremely noticeable. You feel it. It's what I would call a noticeable comfort. Everyone say noticeable comfort. That perfect peace is a noticeable comfort that alarms at the very moment that an intruder comes to threaten your heart, to threaten your peace. It sounds an alarm. That's what that perfect peace is there for. Have you ever noticed that when you've been walking in the Spirit, the minute there's an, an introduction from the enemy, it goes off. But if you've disconnected from God, those, inner, those, those fiery darts from the enemy come, that's just standard operating procedure. You don't even notice them. Matter of fact, you, 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 you deal with hundreds of them a day. And if you could see yourself in the Spirit, You'd look funny because at the end of the day, you're walking and you've got probably two or three dozen darts just hanging out of you, little bloody spots all over you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. You I mean, you are, you're, you're, you're stuck. There they are. Can you say amen? amen? So the Lord keeps us in perfect peace, and that perfect peace is a seal upon our hearts. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16, you're familiar with this, I know, but but just, just to refresh your memory, it says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Everyone say, shield of faith. And I want to share with you something I bet you don't know about what the shield of faith is and how it operates. But the Bible says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And those flaming darts are the evil one. That's just anything that the devil uses to throw at you from the world. And that strife-dipped poison dart, because that's what they are, a strife-dipped poison dart, aimed at your heart, he tosses at you, seeking to pierce your mind and cause its poison, its strife, to seep down into your heart. Once it fills your heart, your heart shuts down and the sources of life 
you're not flowing in them. You're, you're, you experience a disconnect, if you will. And so you are alerted immediately when those poison darts are incoming and they hit you, you're immediately, that perfect piece in you immediately sounds an alarm and says, get that dart out of you. Pull that dart out. But tough guys and tough girls, they like to go and they got, look at all my darts. <laughs> look at what I can put up with. Look what I can handle. And there's almost a kind of a pride of how much we can endure. You see, overcoming is not going through, accumulating all of the bruises and beatings and being worn down by the world. Overcoming is, is, is overcoming. It's, it's not accumulating all of the wounds and bondages of the world. It's rising above them. The only way to do that is to be in touch with the sources of life. And the Lord says, be vigilant, have that vigilant spirit, or pray without ceasing so that that seal of peace is upon you. And that alarm will go off every time an incoming dart comes. You may have to turn off a, a radio program that you're listening to because there's an incoming dart in it. You may have to change the conversation you're having with someone on the telephone. Maybe two Christians getting together talking about, we're going to get together and pray and, and everything, and let's pray for so-and-so. Oh, yeah, let me tell you about so-and-so <laughs> on the other end of the phone. Yes, we need to really pray for him. Let me tell you how messed up he is. And all of a sudden, that prayer request is turning into an accusation from the devil. Yes. Do you know how many people ask for prayer as Satan's servants? They become the mouthpiece of the devil when they ask for prayer because they start griping and complaining and telling about all of the wrong and all of the, everything that's messed up about that person. That's not the place prayer starts from. Prayer starts from Jesus. Prayer starts from the answer. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Why do you think Jesus said, bless those that despitefully use you? Why didn't he say, catch that despitefully using on your iPhone? so that you can capture and get a good picture of it, that offense. Catch, capture that, uh, that offense on your iPhone. I want to see it. When you come to prayer, bring that. I want to see what's going on. God said, no, no. So when you pray, release forgiveness. Start from forgiveness. Start from healing. Start from above, not from beneath. Glory to God. See, if we're going to be effective artesian Christians in these last days, we're going to we're gonna have to do something about changing where we come from. Are you listening to me? Amen. Glory to God. You know, it's far easier when you're maintaining vigilance to swap the dart away if you're staying in communion with the Holy Spirit and your heart is connected to the sources of life because that incoming dart, that vigilance, that spirit of peace, perfect peace, says, whoa, 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 hold it. Perfect peace doesn't like this. Perfect peace doesn't want to hear that. Perfect peace doesn't agree with this, and you've got to change the conversation. You say, yeah, boy, I'll tell you, there's a few people I fellowship with. I'm gonna, I definitely need to change their conversation. No, 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 you change your conversation. Let them alone. Let God deal with them. Let God be God. You don't need to be God for them. Just change your own conversation. Just don't relate 
according to those things. Change the way you respond. Stay in perfect peace. Let perfect peace speak to you. Perfect peace will tell you there's the incoming dart. Don't receive it. Amen? It's easier when you're vigilant to swat those darts away because you're staying connected to the sources of life. Now, I told you I wanted to explain to you what the shield of faith was and how to use the shield of faith. Because Paul said, you use the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. That dart's on fire, it's flaming, it's coming in, but when it hits that liquid, living water, that shield is a shield of living water, it just goes and goes right out. It loses its power to set you on fire. Let me just say to you this, to understand the shield of faith and what it does in your life, you can control to a very limited extent your exposure to the darts of the enemy. Sometimes just by what you put in front of yourself or the circumstances you put yourself in, you can, you can reduce your exposure to the fiery darts of the enemy. In other words, the Bible says in Proverbs, stay away from strifeful people. You know you'll have a lot fewer darts come at you if you just stop hanging out with people that are argumentative and strifeful. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right, so you can avoid you can avoid a lot of the fiery darts, but you can't avoid them all. It's impossible. So the shield of faith is not designed to keep the fiery darts of the enemy from hitting you. And let me explain to you why. First of all, in Matthew 18 and 7, Jesus said, Woe to the world because of its offenses, for it is inevitable that offenses come. So even Jesus said, it must needs be, or it is inevitable that offenses will come. Fiery darts are going to come. They're going to come at you no matter how much you govern who you're with and the, the, uh, the uh, paths that you walk in, fiery darts are going to get you. How many of you know they're going to come in? Right. Praise the Lord. So the shield of faith is not meant to keep those fiery darts from coming. But when the world hits you with a strife-dipped poison dart, there's a process of time before that, that poison can leach through your mind uh, and penetrate your heart and paralyze it and close it off from the sources of life. So you have a, po you have a moment of time, you have a in that process of time, you have time to exercise the shield of faith before that thought that has hit your mind and is already working itself towards your heart. Now, it may be a very brief moment of time, or it may be a long period of time. It, it just depends. But you've got an opportunity before your heart is paralyzed to act. The shield of faith is not an exterior barrier that you can hide behind and it keeps all the fiery darts of the enemy from hitting you. A lot of Christians have become discouraged because they think, well, I got saved, I've received the Holy Spirit in my life and I'm studying the Word of God, but I keep getting attacked by these offenses. And uh, I believe in Jesus. They think that's the shield of faith, believing in Jesus. So. If I'm believing in Jesus, this stuff shouldn't be happening. That's not the shield of faith. The shield of faith, as I said, is not an external barrier 
that you hide behind and the bad stuff can't get in and hit your mind? How come my mind keeps being bombarded with these thoughts? It's not that your mind's bombarded with thoughts. It's what you do when those thoughts are traveling from your mind down into your heart. The shield of faith is an interior operation, not an exterior and external barrier. The shield of faith is literally the internal act of prayer. The shield of faith is prayer. The shield of faith is prayer, the prayer of faith. It is raising up prayer. When those thoughts hit your mind, let, let me give you an example. Let's say you began your day in fellowship with the Lord, and you've gone out, you're, you, the joy of the Lord is moving in your heart, and stuff just begins to happen. On the way to work, you're listening to the radio, and some news report comes on, and it's like, oh, I'm so sick of this, so tired of this craziness going on in the world. And then you go to work, and... Um, Bad news, more bad news. By the time you get home at the end of the day, there's been about, and you've got an edginess. You can feel a certain crankiness. Yes, Christians get cranky. <laughs> and you, 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 you've got words that shouldn't pass from your lips, beating on the backside of your lips trying to get out. You, you're starting to think them. You're starting to feel them. You've got a little edginess. That, you know what that is? The fact that you notice it, that's the alarm. That is the peace. That is the peace that will keep him in perfect peace. That's the perfect peace sounding an alarm saying incoming darts. You got about four or five of them hanging out of your head. And the juices of those darts are speeding their way into your heart. Do something. You say, i got to get some dinner. Let me tell you, you need to get some spiritual dinner before you get that. You need to do something. Just having faith in God doesn't stop that stuff from getting in your heart. You know what you have to do? You have to pray. You need to go into a room, you need to get down on your face, and you need to pray. It may only take you one minute, it may take you three minutes. Whatever it takes you, it takes you. This is what vigilance is all about. You run to the Father, and you say, Father, this heart belongs to you. The sources of life are being threatened. My mind is already affected by things that I've heard. I, I know because my tongue doesn't sound like a Christian tongue. My mind isn't thinking like a Christian mind. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you this morning? And so the shield of faith is the act of prayer. And the moment that you lift up that shield of faith and you begin to pray and call upon the Lord and say, Father, deliver me from these darts that I've heard that have entered into my mind. That very moment, his hand will come upon you. He will quench the shield of faith. Literally, that poison will be neutralized. Boom, right there. By the time you're done praying, a wonderful, beautiful shield will have surrounded you. And you are on the inside with the Father. Perfect peace is upon your mind. The sources of life. By the way, you know what the sources of life are? When you face a situation, whatever it is, that situation can result in death or life. 
The sources of life are whatever God has to respond to a situation. I think the, I think the sources of life are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control, the nine fruits of the Spirit that Galatians 5 tells us about, the sources of life. The sources of life is God. God is the origin. And the Bible says your own heart can literally be in contact with the sources of life. No matter how deadly the death is that threatens you, the sources of life can overcome it. You say, how do you know that? I know it because Jesus, the embodied source of life, spit death out on the third day and rose victoriously to life. Death could not hold him. And death can't hold you if you will pray without ceasing and let the perfect peace, the gift that God has given to your mind. And so when you pray and you get rid of those darts, you pray God will take those darts away. The poison will be gone. It will have stopped the process will have stopped. Perfect peace will be restored. That seal will be in place. You're in and the darts are out. He'll pick those darts out and throw them away. Doesn't matter where they went. They're just gone. Hallelujah. A beautiful picture of that was the Gadarean demoniac. A legion. And they, when Jesus showed up, just like he'll show up in you when you turn to the Father, when Jesus showed up, they begged to leave him. They begged, so let's go into the hogs or pigs. And Jesus said, whatever. <laughs> Can you imagine ministering deliverance to somebody by saying whatever? Because the devil's begging. Get these, I, the darts will beg to leave you if you will practice perfect peace. The reason why Christianity is hard is we want perfect peace, but we don't practice vigilance. Right. Let me say it again. We want the perfect peace so the sources of life will flow, but we will not practice vigilance. And nobody can do that for you. By the way, you can't come into church and expect church to put you back where you're supposed to be when you will not practice vigilance yourself. You know why it's hard to praise God when everyone else is praising God and you don't feel like it? I don't feel like it. And there's that carnal, satanic self sitting there saying, I don't want to be a hypocrite. When the pastor says, how come you're not praising God? Well, I don't want to be a hypocrite. So I would rather identify with the shut down heart than to come before the Lord in repentance and say, Lord, open my heart again. I need the sources of life. Hallelujah. I may be getting to somebody. I need to move on. So at any rate, the act of praying without ceasing with its covering of perfect peace over your soul is what guarding your heart with all vigilance is all about. As I said, that puts you back into that beautiful place of comfort with the Father. And the artesian flow of the sources of life is preserved. And that's what God wants. He wants the, you to have the sources of life preserved within you and not to ever, ever go out without that life flowing. Can you say amen? amen? And so guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it are the sources of life. That picture of that beautiful artesian well, sitting in the middle of some town in America, that's you. 
That's what the church is supposed to be. Springing up unhindered unto everlasting life. Stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Bless the Lord. How many of you would say this morning, that is what I want in my heart. That is what I want in my heart. Huh. Sometimes, sometimes it's easy to see other people's whose hearts have been shut off. And we can be critical and say, boy, that person needs to. And we, we don't see, we overlook and don't see where we have our own pet little things that we like to disconnect with God over. But the Lord is calling us to reconnect. The Holy Spirit is calling us to be in connection. And in the world today, Christians are not going to make it if they don't live connected to the Holy Spirit. The world is becoming more intensely toxic. I don't need to preach about it. If you haven't noticed it, you've probably been living in a monastery somewhere. You get out there, you're going to notice it. If you're going to overcome and survive, you need to live. Proverbs 4 and 23, probably the most important verse in the Bible. Guard your heart with all vigilance. And out of it will flow the sources of life. Just lift up your hands to the Lord. I want to pray for you this morning. Father God, we come boldly to the throne of grace today. We determine now before you, Father, with sincere hearts how desperately we need you. We determine now that we want this place of artesian flowing. Precious Father, right now, I offer up my heart. Say this with me, Lord. Lord Jesus, you are my God, and I offer my heart before you. I will not stand by and let the world shut me down. Through Jesus, I am entitled to eternal life. I will not give up that life for anything because nothing is worth it. Right here, right now, on this altar, I lay my life. Every obstruction, every fiery dart, every poison, I rebuke it. And I yield my mind and my heart. Lord, remove from me every dart, every thought, every emotion that fights the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit should not fight in me. I will not fight with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I yield to the Holy Spirit. Have your way so that I may be happy and full of joy in Jesus' mighty name. Father God, right now, I just release your anointing. Hallelujah. Stir upon them. Let the living waters of God flow over their hearts. Even now, Spirit of the living God, begin to flow and break up those rocks. Break up that fallow ground. Push, Lord, the debris away from the doors of their hearts, Lord. 
Father, clear those channels between their mind and their heart. Restore and renew. Make all things new. Hallelujah. For behold, says the Lord God, I say to you this very day, fear not the world and do not live in turmoil, but live in me. For I will lay out for you a path upon which you will walk. I am able to raise the valleys. I am able to reduce the mountains and guide you into the path of peace. But you must stay in communion with me. If you leave communion with me, how will you hear when I am speaking to you? I desire to speak to you always and to be your comfort and to guide you. Therefore, says the Lord your God, give me your heart and lean your ear to me and do not break our fellowship and I will cause you to see fruit such as you have not imagined. I will open to you the treasures of my word. You will see my promises. Spring forth, says the Lord, and be fulfilled. You shall not say, but the time is dark and the land is hard. Behold, those things which I bless you with were not grown in the hard ground of the earth, but they are grown in the fertile ground of my word. Therefore, I am able to the utmost to save and to deliver and to bring to pass for you all that I have promised. Therefore, hear me and don't turn away, for I will cause you to be fruitful and overcoming and abounding, says the Lord God, as you cling to me. I will hold you and cause you to be my voice. You will walk through the land as my hands and as my feet, as my body, and I will represent myself through you, says the Lord God. And the broken will see the healer in you. The blind will see the eye opener. The deaf will hear the, the word of God in you. Stay before me, says the Lord. And do not turn away. And I will cause you to be glad and to rejoice and to walk in joy, says the Lord your God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank